Today's episode is brought to you by Restaurant.com. With Restaurant.com, you can save at thousands of restaurants across the country with just a few clicks. Their dining deals range from $5 to $100, never expire, and cost you a fraction of the price. Dinner has never been easier with Restaurant.com. Used for dine-in, takeout, or delivery. Restaurant.com is offering our listeners 50% off their next purchase by going to www.restaurant.com slash podcast. That's www.restaurant.com slash podcast for 50% off your next purchase. Restaurant.com, the best deal every meal. You are now listening to the Q&E Podcast. Is this what you want? Huh? Is this what you want? Well, can I get it yet? Damn it! I don't know exactly what it all means, but God, it feels real. Elida knows we lied to her. If she's going where this thing's leading her, she's in danger. I want to know everything. Freedom, now that I'm tasting it. I see what I was robbed of. I am Elida. I am Elida. What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Q&E Podcast. You're here with your boy Q Hicks right now. I got Edgar on the other line. Edgar, tell the people what's good. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of the Q&E Podcast. Today, we are going over episode seven of Lovecraft Country. The title was I Am. Can't wait to get into this. This is my favorite episode so far for the yeah. series, so I can't wait to dive into this. Quincy, so, you love it, so you love it then? You yeah, love I loved it. I loved it. I'm, let's just get out of the way. I like, love, or hate it. I loved it. I loved everything about it. I loved it too. But this is the thing. I, this is the thing I was uh, talking to Eggert about. I was like, I don't know if I loved it because of the episode. The episode was great, but I feel like I loved it a little bit extra because of the last episode disappointed me so much, bro. I expected so much more, but we got back to the regularly scheduled programming with this episode. We got the multiple uh, perspectives. We had Montrose with his situation. We had Tick. Had Letty, so everybody was back in the forward, and that's how I like it, bro. When it was just stuck to like two or three people, it wasn't enough for me. I I told you last episode, episode six, it was just it wasn't it was a filler, but it was really a stepping stone into the second half of this season. That's really all that was. So as bland as it was, as dry as it was, as hard to keep up as it was with the subtitles, it was. I, I still feel it's going to be very necessary moving forward. Because I was going to ask you that. I was like, I don't know how that's going to play moving forward. Like, the direction we're moving, I don't understand her impact anymore. Do you? I feel like she'll probably come either in episode nine or in the season finale, episode 10. I feel like that's how episode six is going to transition back into what's going on. I know she the way has- episode The way yeah. episode eight looks, it don't look like she's going to be in anywhere yeah. in episode eight. So. And that's why I was asking, like, what was her purpose now? It's like, like, he moved on to Letty. It's like, okay, you told him, you gave him, like, a foreshadowing that he was going to die. But other than that, like, are you really needed in the show? Like, I don't really see your purpose in the show anymore. I truly don't. Like, you just somebody, like, yeah, you cool from a distance. But I don't know if I really want you as, like, a character that's really up in the show for real. You feel what I'm saying? Like, I don't want you messing up, like, the black sequence that we got going on. They'll, 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 in, they'll integrate her some kind of way. They'll integrate her into they it. Will. 
I'll be interested to see how they do that. But what was your predictions or your expectations coming into this episode, though? Uh, I think I predicted her to show face in this episode, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Did I say that? Yeah, I said that yeah. last time. Cause I knew we were going to get a lot of Hippolyta, but I thought it was going to be majority Hippolyta, but a little bit of everybody else. And I thought they were going to throw her into it mm. and like have her meet up with Tick in some kind of way. But no, yeah. uh, I was wrong with that prediction. It was This was all Hippolyta all the way. Yeah. And I, and I rocked with it because I was, I was somebody on uh, – like Hippolyta was somebody like she was cool – like, she was in that Ruby feel. Like, Ruby cool, but I don't know if I really would say I would like her. But yeah, obviously, with this I episode, like I, would say, I would say I like her now. I like her now. More than I did, mm-hmm. most definitely. But let's dive into the opening scene, bro. So, Hippolyta is messing with the Ori. It looks like she was real smart. She had the uh, equations all laid out on the, on the floor. She's trying to get the, the tilt right with the Ori and everything. And... They obviously, they showed us a flashback of the ruins of the Artem house. So Tick, not Tick, but um, D and Hippolyta ended up going back there, seeing the ruins, and she ended up finding D's comet. So that's yeah. why she was feeling this type of way about uh, Tick and Lady Dem, like this whole entire episode. She was like, I know y'all lying. And you can see it. You can see yeah. it when they had asked her for the card. It was like, y'all been lying to me. Like, I don't even want to give y'all my card no more. <laughs> it's like, you, felt, you really felt the animosity uh, toward them, bro. Um, and yeah, she know, and the Ori ended up opening up with the keys and the coordinates. She ended up finding out, figuring out how to open it. So how did you feel about that opening scene, bro? Uh, the only thing that confused me about the opening scene was the quote that was inside the Ori with the key. Oh, that's the one that was like, oh, the beginning is in space or something like that. Yeah, did you write it down? I forgot to write the quote down. I didn't write it down. Like, I don't know why, but in the episode, they made sure to only show the quote for like half a second. And then, yeah. like, just go on from it. It's like, it wasn't one of those situations where they stay on the quote for a long time for the audience to grasp. It was like, hurry up and read it. Okay, and on to the next thing. So I, I just never did write it down. But I think it says something like, every beginning is in space. And the, the second half, I can't get the second half. Of and it has something to do with the episode. And they usually have, like, a tale at the beginning of every episode of, like, like right. an outline moving forward. And this, was the, and this was the episode, or this was like the tale of something moving forward. Because obviously we were messing with space and she had to begin again in a lot of the scenarios, like in the future parts of the episode. So yeah, I rock with how they did that. Moving yeah, I wasn't surprised though that she was doing all the equations and everything like that. But did you know she was that smart though? I, I, I had a feeling she was that smart because how deep they were, her and Uncle George and Dee to a certain extent, how deep they were into astronomy and into physics and all that type of stuff i i felt like she knew she knew what she was doing it wasn't like her first time trying to learn that stuff it was like okay you've been doing this for some years now because yes. you can't be into astronomy or physics and not know any type of math you have to be a mathematician to a certain extent yeah and you remember earlier uh, a few episodes ago she had said that she had named a star or something like that yep. named a comet so obviously she was like into astrology before so it, it made sense but Another thing I wanted to pick up about that first episode, you remember she picked up like a piece of wood from the ruins and it yep. had like the symbol, like the Artem symbol or something mm-hmm. like that. And she seen that same symbol on the Ori, meaning that that Ori belonged to the Break Whites and something like right. that. So she knew it was something. She didn't know it was, she didn't know what it was, but yeah, she, she didn't she know knew. the context of it, but she knew this matches up with what I seen when I was there. 
So. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And something else I was picking up on, you remember like the telescopes were always around their house. And the, we had mm-hmm. mentioned the telescope in episode four. And in the observatory, it was a telescope too. So I'm like, damn, like that started to piece together like the astrology point to me. But I feel like it's another un- underlying point to that that I'm not really understanding. Why do we keep seeing all these telescopes? Is it just astrology? Or do you think it could be something more? Well, I feel like it's just the point of magic and the point of, uh, what was I going to say? It, it's like the point of magic and the point of space playing a part hand in hand with each other because I feel like magic is way beyond the concept of earth and space to mm-hmm. a certain extent. That so sure. that along with the fact that the family of D, Hippolyta and George, along with their astronomy admiration, I feel like that just goes hand in hand with each other. So yeah. if it's something more than that, I'm not sure at the moment, but I think it's just they're showing how that both plays a hand with each other. Yeah. And this was something I had a question about about that first scene, too, because I don't know if she's seen the body or not. I keep getting confused on if she actually seen Uncle George's body. Because you remember when Uncle George died, that next episode, Tick was yeah. like, you seen the gunshot. You seen that he got shot or something like that. But the way she keeps going to the house, she keeps trying to investigate it. It makes me feel like she didn't see the body. So are you picking up on that at all? Do you think? And we didn't see a body at the funeral as well. You think she did see it or didn't? But I'm just going off what Tick said. Tick said, you've seen the body. You've seen the gunshot wound or something like that he had said in like episode three when he had died. But I'm still getting the sense like she didn't see the body with all these questions and all of this investigating that she's doing with it. Well, I feel like she had all the questions because she just feel like I know what y'all showed me and I know what y'all telling me but it just still doesn't add up. I feel like that's why she still has questions because it's like, just because y'all showing me his body and telling me this happened, it just sounds like, I don't know. It just sounds like y'all had this story like rehearsed in y'all head already. Like it don't sound like it genuinely happened because y'all not, y'all, y'all concern level isn't raised to where mine is raised right now. Y'all don't seem as upset as I am like or none of that. So that's, I feel like that's why she felt they were lying in the first place. Because it's like, y'all, I know y'all. Y'all would be angry as hell if the story that y'all telling me actually happened. Yeah. And the fact that y'all just trying to move on from it, I feel like that's why Hippolyta was like, yeah, I don't care what y'all showed me. I don't care what y'all telling me. I want to know what actually happened. Mm, that's true. That's true. So let's move on to the next scene, which was Christina. She was talking to Ruby, and she was finding out more about the potion. She was finding out that William was actually dead. Dale was actually dead. And Christina was basically like telling her the truth about uh, everything that was going on in the last episode. And we found out that William and Christina were not brothers. And that, and that shocked me because I really thought they were brothers, but they were, ended up lovers, bro. Were you I had to rewind that part. I, yeah. was like, I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because <laughs> me and Caleb, we was like, that's her lover? <laughs> I was like, whoa, I did not know that. I thought they was brother and sister the whole time. Me too. I really thought they was brother and sister. And and that's what, and that was and that's what blew me, bro. When I found out, I was, I was like, damn, like that that, that kind of tripped me out, bro. But they, Christina had ended up seeking out to William because her father wouldn't teach her magic. So she like, I need a teacher that's actually in the order of the ancient Don. So she uh, sought out William, and William ended up teaching her. They ended up catching feelings. I don't know if they had a real relationship, like sexual relationship, but I, they had definitely had like a teacher student relationship. Yeah. yeah, they had a bond. And Ruby just really felt like she was used throughout this whole situation. And I keep telling you, 
Christina is the bad guy, even though you don't feel. Do you do you still feel the way you feel? She's on the. She's not a one hundred. You keep trying to go with the fact that she's a one hundred percent. No, 100%. she is. She keeps, no. bro, she keeps giving you the signs. She's not a one hundred percent villain, bro. She's not. She's like fifty percent on the antagonist scale. Like, That's called because, manipulation. No, she, <laughs> she is using her. I'm not gonna lie and say she's not using her. She's using Ruby to a certain extent because she's trying to get what she wants. But mm-hmm. I don't feel like you would allow the people you're using to understand the truth of everything you're doing if you're just simply using them. If you're simply using them to get what you want, you're not gonna undoubtedly just let them know your entire yeah, purpose and, and let them understand their purpose and what they're doing. But you gotta remember what Ruby said. Ruby was like, I'm gonna leave if you don't tell me the truth. So she had to lead her on. You had to keep her going so she can stick around. If you didn't tell her the truth, she was out the door. She was gonna bounce. So that's why I'm like, she keeps manipulating you. She's not a villain to that extent where she's gonna like outright do some cold-blooded shit, but she's manipulating every piece that she goes. She's manipulating Tick, and she's definitely manipulating uh, Ruby right now, deeply. Even though Ruby wants to get strung along, she's manipulating her. I don't know, man. I, I can't see Christina as a 100% villain. I feel, I feel like by the end of the season, she's gonna still be alive. I'm gonna predict that. Christina will still be alive by the end of this season. Oh, yeah. And if she's not in season two, I'm highly upset. Yeah, I, I would be too. I feel like she's going to be alive and is going to grow. All of this is going to grow into something way bigger than her. That mm. she won't even be close to the main villain of the story anymore. That's my prediction mm. going into it. That's my prediction. That, that. Mm. So you said she's not going to be the, the, ne- the, ne- the villain next season. She's not going to be the main one next season. It's going to grow right. bigger than her. It, I, I can gonna, see that, This whole story is going to grow so much bigger okay. than her to where they won't even really look at her as a villain anymore next season. It, she won't be an ally, but she definitely won't be somebody that they have to steer away from, if that yeah. makes sense. Because mm-hmm. uh, somebody I keep thinking is going to be a way bigger villain that, than we're giving him credit for is the cop, Captain uh, Lancaster or whatever. He yeah. keeps getting, like, overshadowed by Christina, but I feel like we should be looking at him way more, bro. We should be looking because at him. Because he, he's more. the one that's trying to, like, be the rightful owner of the lodge and all of that. So I, I do agree. They're kind of underplaying his character at the moment, but giving him key parts in certain episodes. Yep, yep, yep. So moving forward, we get the Letty scene. Letty has a dream about Hannah, who was Tick's ancestor. And Tick had the same dream about her. She was running out of the burning building. Uh, and Tick started to burn, and Letty had the same exact dream, but in her dream, she was pregnant. And then, can I get my flowers, we, please? I'm about to say, we, we got that right. I agree with you when you <laughs> said that. Letty was pregnant, yeah. Letty was bro. And it was so funny, because I remember you had said something about the shot in a couple of seasons, or a couple of episodes ago. You said it was like a shot of her stomach, and you was like, oh, they trying yeah, to when, shadow um, When Letty, I think Letty had the bat, and when yeah. oh, it was it was after Tick beat Montrose's ass, and then he was down in the basement, and Letty went down there with the bat, and it almost looked like Tick was gonna hit Letty, but he looked at her, and the way the camera panned down to her stomach, I was like, no, don't tell me he's not gonna hit her because she's pregnant. At yeah. first, I was like, he's not gonna hit Letty just because it's Letty, but I was like, are they trying to imply that she's pregnant by the way they show her stomach? So when you said that, that's when it definitely confirmed it for me, bro. It really confirmed it for me. So when I seen her pregnant in this episode, I was like, yeah, I already knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But she was burning while pregnant. But why do you think Tick and Letty were having the same dream? 
I'm glad you asked this because I said this as soon as um, me and my friends we was watching. I had them pause it. I was like, the reason why Letty is having this dream is because, first off, that confirms that she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. So it's not Letty having the dream. It's the baby inside of her having the dream, and she's able to see it because she is the vessel of the child at the Good moment. Point. The only reason why I knew that was the reason was because in Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 or Part 2, I can't remember, which, it was Part 1. In Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1, that's what happened with... um uh Old girl baby, what's her name? Uh, Rose something. I, I, I can't... Um, name. But I can't remember Bella. 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 Well, yeah, I know Bella, but I'm trying to think of her daughter's name. Oh, uh, okay. I, I can't think of it at the moment. Mm. But when she was in her stomach, the power that she had was she could like read people's memories and like know their dreams and stuff. So I was like, that's some Twilight shit. Like I, I knew that from Twilight. I was like, it's not her dreaming. It's the baby inside of her dreaming and she could see the dreams. So it's Tick's DNA basically inside of her, which will that's play a bigger part later in the show. That's definitely correct. That's, you're on the money with that one. So good point, bro. Good point. Good point. Uh, Letty and Tink think his mom's side of the family could have the book of names because they had the dream. They ended up discussing it. And they basically put the two things together. They ended but up their dreams were different, though. Because in Tink's dream, she, she didn't have something. a book. She, she didn't book. have a book. She had the book. She just, said she, just, she didn't have a book. In, um, she had the book. Dream. She had the book. Whoa, why Tick said that then? And in all of the in all of the uh the dream, she had a book. She was running out with the book. That's the most important thing. She had the book. But oh, she was Tick like must, Tick must not have remembered that then, because he was like, What book? He was like, She ain't had no book in my dream. What book you talking about? <laughs> he probably didn't remember the book, but she had yeah. it. She had a book in his dream, though. She definitely had a book in his dream. But he was like, She said something to me, but I couldn't hear it. And she and mm -hmm. then uh what's her name? Letty was like, nah, she didn't say nothing to me. That's that was the part that caught me. But yeah, he def she definitely had the book in both dreams. Okay, but they ended up planning it out and they wanted to talk to Montrose to get more information on his mom's side of the family so they can find out if the book of names basically stayed in their family because they know Hannah did have the book running out, out of the burning building. So they wanted mm -hmm. to get more information on that. Now not we get only, Not only will it be like missing pages but it'll on the spells, but it'll be instructions on how to do the spells if they do um, find the book based on the allegations over the dreams. Yep, yep, good point. And then now we get to Sammy and Montrose, bro. And this was real interesting to me. It's funny because somebody had retweeted, retweeted it before I even watched the episode. I felt spoiled before I even watched the episode. But they, was talk, <laughs> but they were talking about like strengthening in relationships. And we see, we talk, we're going to talk about it later with George and Hippolyta. But right. in this relationship as well with Sammy and Montrose, Sammy, who is the bar owner, who is messing with Montrose in that uh, gay relationship, we're going to see some strengthening in this relationship as well, too. So uh, they found out by, they were found out by Tick. Tick ended up finding them out because I think Sammy ended up staying at his house or something like yeah. that. But one thing I wanted to point out was Montrose really has a relationship problem with everybody damn near. Because it's not just Tick. Like, when he woke up and walked in the kitchen, Sammy was cooking breakfast. He was trying to say, hey, I, I had a great night last night. But he so was cool with it at first. He was cool, he was with, cool it with it Yeah, He was cool with it, but he was still kind of judgy. He was like, are you doing this because you really, like, doing this for me? Or are you doing this just because this is your first time staying over here and you're just trying to make a good impression? So mm -hmm. I was like, 
okay, that means they their relationship still ain't solid like that, even though they had that great night last night. And Sammy was like, I'm doing it because I really want to. I went to the store, got groceries and everything. All you all you got in here is whiskey. So I'm I really wanted to do this for you. And they sat down to eat, and Montrose is like, this is bacon. You know, I don't eat pork. He basically being nitpicky and not being grateful for the breakfast at all. You know, mm-hmm. I don't eat bacon or any type of pork. You know, I don't like my grits runny. You know, I like them firm, this, that, and the third. The coffee got too much sugar. Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn, bro. Like, <laughs> just say thank you for the tip yeah. at least. But the most important th- part of that scene was when he, uh, Sammy had said he had seen his neighbor at the bus stop. Mm-hmm. And Montrose was like, whoa, like, I didn't want you to be seen coming into my apartment. But she was like, I seen him at the bus stop. It ain't no problem. And that's when, like, his whole mood had changed. And that's yeah. when, this is when I bring up the point of shrinking because, obviously, Sammy is pretty open with it being a drag queen. He's pretty open with being gay, but Montrose still wants to be closeted. So that's why you see Sammy keeps shrinking. Like, he wants to be out there in the open, but he can't because the person he's with doesn't want to be open. So now he has to shrink. Right. Now he's shrinking him even more because he want to be nitpicky. And now he's making him feel like shit because he didn't want Tick to know about his relationship. So it's like, you see Sammy shrinking as well throughout that whole scene. And so before was, he walked out the door, he was like, you're not going to keep playing this emotional roller coaster game with me. Like, I'm just going to go. Like, you're not going to keep doing this to me because I want us to be proud of who we are. Exactly. And- like, be able to go outside together and everything be okay. And Macho's like, nah, I ain't <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's the 50s, my guy. It's the yeah. 50s. <laughs> and that's the biggest part of it, bro. He would still be judged harshly, bro. Because they was beating niggas' ass for being gay back then. Yeah, I was like, eh, I, I low-key, I understand. I understand. What nah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> most definitely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then the funniest part of the episode happened. Go go, go into it. That transition is into the funniest part of the episode. Yeah, that transition into Tick, Tick and Letty ended up walking up the stairs and sees uh, Montrose trying to console Sammy. And Tick was utterly confused. He knew what was going on, but he really yeah. didn't know what to do. He ain't had no proof. He, he had, had no proof. proof. He was like, all I'm going off of is what everybody telling me. But I ain't going to believe it till I see it. And yeah. my dog finally saw it. Bruh. So how did you feel about that scene, bro? Obviously, he was a mess. I knew he was going to say this. I was like, they going to let Tick say faggot. I already know they go. <laughs> I was yeah. like, they gonna let Tick say faggot. <laughs> so Sammy walked by. He was like, "Excuse me, I'm just gonna go." And then as soon as Sammy left, Tick looking at Montrose like, "So it's true. You're faggot. You are a faggot." <laughs> I was <laughs> like, "Oh my god, I can't believe he did it for real." Hey, Montrose, snap! Montrose took off the shirt. I thought they was for the fight again. I thought it was. I was gonna be like, "Okay, Montrose said, yeah, you beat my ass last time, but I'm ready this time, boy." No, nah, <laughs> Tick still to beat that nigga ass. <laughs> Still, you you still go respect me. I'm your father at the end of the day. You ain't gonna call me out my name. Like, none of that. Dis- that disrespect ain't gonna happen. Like, yeah, your mama knew what was going on, but I'm your father at the end of the day. You ain't gonna disrespect me and call me out my name. So yeah. I was like, damn, like, yeah, because back then, yeah, nowadays, you can't say faggot. You'll probably nah. get fired from your job. You'll get fired yeah. from your job just for anything that's non-gay at this point. But, mm-hmm. yeah, back then, you, you could say faggot and get away yeah. with it. Nowadays, you can't say that. You can't say anything near that. <laughs> yeah, bro. But but that part about his mom was probably – we already talked about it before, how George could possibly be his dad. So mm-hmm. I, I was surprised he didn't bring up that question. I, oh, he obviously doesn't know. Tick doesn't know that George yeah. possibly could be his father. But it's running through the viewer's mind, like, when is he going to find out? Because I feel like it's yeah. becoming more and more true that – George is your actual father, bro. 
And I wonder, I want to know when that's going to come out, when that secret's going to come out, and who's going to tell him. Like, right. is it going to? Because George is dead, so George can't tell him. So is Montrose going to tell him? I don't know. I mean, back then, I don't know if they were getting like actual DNA tests to figure out who the father was. I feel like back then you just had to go off of the strength of who you remember having sex with. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that they're they're trying to play on the possibility that George could be his father. I don't think it's concrete proof that George could be his father. That's why Montrose probably hasn't said anything because in his head, he's like, I, I low-key still could be your father. I'm gay, but I was with your mom for a decent amount of time. So, and we were having sex. So it was like, shit, like I could still be your daddy, but yeah. there is a strong possibility Uncle George could be your daddy too. But it's the 1950s. Well, they had tick before the 50s even. So mm-hmm. it wasn't no DNA test. You just went off of who you thought the daddy was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The funniest part to me, bruh, I thought Tick was finna hit that uh that Cuba that Cuba Gooden when he found out the information. I thought he was gonna be punching the air and shit when he went outside. <laughs> and he was really cool for the like the information to throw. That's a shock, bro. When you actually get it confirmed that your pops is gay, like bro, I would have been more shook than Tick was, honestly, bro. I would have been shook. And so if they got- did have DNA tests back then, I'm I'm pretty sure they weren't that accurate. They couldn't have been. They couldn't have been that accurate. Nah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But Letty ended up still talking to Montrose after that whole situation and finding out that she, um, Hannah had a cousin that stayed in St. Louis, so that's where they could possibly find the book. And Tick ends up going to St. Louis. They, and they were the only two survivors of the Tulsa riots, too. Riots. So yeah. I was like, damn, like, that's really sad. Like, only two people that, out of all the people you possibly knew in Tulsa, only two people survived? That, that's crazy. That's so crazy. crazy. As fuck, and I want to point out this part about uh, this part about parenting between Montrose and Tick because Tick was really upset. I, I want everybody to know this. Tick honestly was not upset that his daddy was gay. Tick was upset because his whole life, his daddy wow. beat his ass so he wouldn't be soft or looked at as like um, sissy or whatever or nothing like that. And Tick took it as, well, my daddy loved me and he just don't want me to be soft, blah, blah, blah. So that's why he always beat my ass. That toxic father-son relationship hurt him more than learning out that she, that his daddy was gay. I feel like that's really what hurt Tick because he was like, this man been whooping my ass my whole life, so I won't be soft. Whole time, he gay. Like, he got a whole gay lover. So I feel like that's what really made Tick upset and that's what made him cry and everything because I'm like, Ain't no, ain't no man really finna cry just cause they daddy gay, even if you mad. But he was crying it's off the It's a crushing blow, most definitely. It, it's crushing, but I wouldn't cry. I'd be mad as hell, but I wouldn't mm-hmm. cry. But Tick was crying cause it's like, nah, it's, it's deeper than just him being gay. It's like, you beat me to not be what exactly what you are. Oh. See, I was thinking he was whooping him because it was some type of kink that he wanted. Like, he was getting off to this shit. I thought that's why he was that's what that was funny as hell because that was the first day that popped in my mind. I was like, is he doing this for some type of kink? No. Is he getting off to this? No. That's what I was literally thinking. That's why he likes that's what he likes, but he's doing it to his son? No, no, no. Possibility. I would be even madder if that was. No, don't don't put that in the episode. (laughs) Don't put that in the record. Possibly. No no father, no father son kinks in this episode. Hey, I don't know Montrose, bro. That might not even be a father. I don't know. What what Shaq said to Chuck, hey, don't record. (laughs) Don't put that on the episode. 
Hey, that was the Dude, first thought when I had found out. Story. I was like, damn, was he doing that for a kick? But that your what you said made way more sense though. Because it it's like you see that with parents all the time. Like, regardless of if it's homophobic stuff or whatever, you you see parents do that with their kids all the time. They beat their children or they're very disciplined, they're very disciplinary on their children for reasons of their own insecurities that they try to emplace on their kids. Like we've seen that growing up with people we grew up around friends and all that and like we've heard stories about that like my mom made me do this this and this because she never did this or she couldn't be this or my dad was hard on me because of this this just because he was like that and he Mm. don't want me to be like that and he don't want to let me be myself like I've heard plenty of stories like that before so I feel like they were trying to give that message out yep yep that's true bro all right, moving on. We get to the Hippolyta scene. Hippolyta about to go off uh, to the coordinates. I looked up the coordinates and it looked like they were in Troy, Kansas. When we seen like the, the coordinates on the actual uh, Ori, it was like mm-hmm. 39, negative 70 something. And it ended up being in Troy, Kansas. So she was about to go to Kansas to the observatory. Uh, Tick and Letty ended up coming over because they wanted to borrow Woody, which is the car, to get to St. Louis. And that's when we get the little, whole little confrontation and you feel like the animosity between them. And she was like, nah, you can't take the car. Like, I'm going somewhere. And Tick was like, nah, it's yeah. important. It's important. She's like, my shit important like, too. Yeah, so it was my guy <laughs> trip. Like, did Uncle George leave you in charge of the guy? And he was like, no, ma'am. So why the hell do I got to ask you permission yeah. to go somewhere? <laughs> and that, that played a part too later on in, in the episode of, like, why do I need permission from you? Or why did... Why did I need permission from Uncle George back That's then? True. So all that baggage carried over to her into her argument with Tick. Of just because Uncle George was in charge of the map, that don't mean now that he gone, you get to be in charge. Like, no. Like, it's in my possession. I'm in charge of it. That's a good point, boy. Hey, but a second watch, boy, you making good points. Hey, boy, that second yeah. watch is important, most definitely, boy. That's a good point. Good point. All right, bro. So she ends up going to Kansas, and they have to – and Tick ends up taking the bus to St. Louis – Letty ends up staying at uh, Hippolyta's house. Yeah, she stays with Ruby at Hippolyta's house because they babysitting D. Yep, 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 yep. Letty ends up apologizing for everything that happened at the the house or whatever, everything that went down about the money, whole that little whole situation. And I'm surprised. Actually, I'm not surprised because, like I said, Christina is manipulative. She didn't tell Ruby about the whole money situation, how uh, she gave the money to Letty and not her mother. So this is what I'm talking about. She's going to she's gonna tell you a half-truth. She's not going to tell you everything that's going on because she's what? Well, but I feel like Letty didn't tell Ruby about the real money situation because she's thinking Ruby don't know what's going on right now. She don't know about all these monsters. She thinks she's dumb to everything. She yeah, thinks she, she thinks she's dumb to everything right now. So that's why Letty didn't go in depth and tell her where the money really came from. She's just still playing on the fact that it came from Mama. So... Yeah. I feel like Letty's not wrong for that. I hope Ruby don't get mad at her later on when she find out how she really got the money. Because mm-hmm. Letty was just... How she be mad at her, though? She should be mad at Christina. Because she ain't tell I, her. I feel like Ruby just going to get mad at Letty. Just because... Like, why like you punk ass. Like, why you told me it half true? Why you ain't tell me where you really got the money from? Like, you been lying about monsters and this, that, and the third. Yeah, Ruby going to find a way to get mad. She gonna find a way to get That's why I don't like her, bro. I don't care how many full episodes she get. I do not like <laughs> her, job, bro. I swear I don't, man. I swear. I don't. But there was another point I wanted to bring up. Damn. 
it was about it was about they were playing games it was letty d and it was a couple of her friends they were playing games while uh ruby was watching them and it was something that the little boy said the little boy had said something about bobo he was like man when bobo coming back or something like that a huge point in the episode i was like ah they definitely gonna play on this he he might be dead by now probably he might be dead by now because if they ask him when he coming back then that means he ain't come back yet which means he did. So yeah, so we're gonna I dive into that next. We're gonna dive into that next episode, bro. And that's why I said episode episode seven was great, but the previews I seen for episode eight, oh my goodness, bro! I seen a skeleton put his hands over a, a doorway or some crazy. Junk. I seen some demon hands with long fingernails. Yeah, I was like, it was them two um kids in the middle of the street that looked like dead bodies. Yeah. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> I was like, Bro, you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of it. It reminded, it gave me like Pennywise vibes. It did. Like, it really did. I was like, damn. So I was like, this junk look mighty lit. And I was like, if you put Emmett Till, if you incorporate Emmett Till in that somewhere, uh, somehow, because the episode is titled Jigabobo. So I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to be involved in this episode. If you involve mm-hmm. him in this somehow, this episode is lit. <laughs> this episode going to be better than this one, bro. This episode was great. Yep. Yeah. Next I agree. Gonna be crazy, bro. Next one's gonna be crazy. I feel like all these final episodes are gonna top each other. I feel like we think we think episode seven is great. I feel like we're gonna think episode eight the best, then nine gonna look like the best, and then the finale probably gonna be the best by the end of it. Yeah, that, that jump was fire. That jump did look fire. But let's move on. So Lida is on her way to the observatory. She's on the road, and she has somebody driving by her. And this is something else I was spoiled on. But it was the lady, uh, her name was Bessie Stringfield. She was riding right. a motorcycle. And I, I bet you already, already did your research on Bessie Stringfield. So give us the information. She's the first African-American woman to ride her motorcycle across uh, country, I believe. through All 48 states. Yeah, through all 48 states, through all the sundown towns, all that type of shit. Mm-hmm. She was the first African-American um, woman to do that. And I believe, I can't remember what vet she was she was a military vet too uh anybody yeah. in the comments put put what um war she was a part of but i can't remember off the top of my head did you think hippolyta knew who she was while riding it because she looked hella excited yeah. when she seen her riding the past so she knew I, who she was i think she knew who she was because during that time even though newspapers were you didn't find out about stuff until like almost a week later based mm-hmm. on how newspapers came out but it probably took bessie a long time to do that because mm-hmm. of the fact that she was driving a motorcycle <laughs> no, that far. Yeah. Plus, you, like, being black back then, I mean, obviously, we can't speed now, but back then, you definitely didn't want to get caught speeding. So, she was probably driving slow at that cross country. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like by the time Hippolyta got on road, she got on road just in time for her to catch up to her and, like, actually um, cross paths with her. Yeah. And this is more, this was kind of more foreshadowing moving forward as well. And it was... Her riding her motorcycle through all the states was basically giving her a sense of freedom. And yep. we see later in the episode that Hippolyta started to get unshackled and she started to become free from everything that was holding her back in her past. So the same thing here, like uh, Bessie Stringfield was riding through Jim Crow states, like uh, she was going through the South, uh, just cool. You know what I'm saying? Going through all the states. Nobody was messing with her. So it was just basically telling you all the freedom that she had. And like I said, that was foreshadowing moving forward. Uh, What happened next? Next, we get to Tit goes to St. Louis. He finds the lady. It wasn't that too important. But the important part was the birthmark. When she uh, she was showing him 
uh, the photo album. It was somebody in the book. Don't know who it was, but she had the same birthmark as Tick. She had it on her hand. Her hand. I think that was wasn't that the auntie that he was searching for. I had because well, she said my. But no, the auntie was alive, I think, or or the cousin, whatever Montrose said it was. I think he said it was his mama's cousin or auntie or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. Another family member of Tick survived the Tulsa riots. And mm-hmm. the person, the lady in St. Louis that Montrose knew was connected to them was still alive as well. That could tell Tick, the possibly tell Tick the information. So she's still show. alive then, the lady yeah. who he showed. Well, at, at least based off of what Montrose was saying. And when he went to the house and he was eating dinner with the lady, she was like, I never heard your family speaking no book of names, but they did always talk about some kind of book. I thought it might've been a photo album or a family Bible or something. He was like, that might be it. Like, could you tell me more? And then she showed him the photo album that she had. And that's when, um, like you said, oh, he yeah, cause she said he, it had burned in the riots. Yeah, she, she said um, it burned up in the riots because the white people burned everything. They burned everything to the ground. If you're looking for anything out of Tulsa, you're not going to find it. Like, it's burned. And mm-hmm. I was just like, damn, like, that that stuck out to me. I was like, they really, like, messed up the Black Wall Street that we were, like, really trying to build up. That was crazy to me. Yeah. Ah, boy. But I knew it wasn't going to be that easy, though. <laughs> I still feel like yeah. it wasn't going to be that easy. Like, everybody is chasing the pages. But you some way you some way get the book, the whole book. Mm-hmm. Like, it can't be that easy for Tick, bro. He's been struggling this whole season. It can't just be that easy that he finds every spell now. But that that birthmark part was crazy though. I was like, yeah. damn, she got it on her wrist or her hand or whatever, and he got the same one on his back. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that, I hope that person's still alive. Yeah. And but they didn't say who she was. Like you said, could have been the mom's cousin. Yeah. And she was like, because when she pointed her out, you was like, she was like, you know who this is, right? And then mm-hmm. she had ended up going to get the phone. So she never said who it was that she was yeah. pointing at. So I was I was kind of confused on who it was. But yeah, that's definitely going to be important moving forward. Um, Letty ends up calling Tick to the lady's house in St. Louis and talking about the Ori because the Ori was inside of uh, Hippolyta's house the whole time. So yeah. Letty ends up finding it. And she calls Tick and says that she sees it. And that it has coordinates on there, and that he not, that she needs to get to that the coordinates as soon as possible because uh, Hippolyta could be in danger. But the important part to me was that Ruby was watching, bro. So yeah. how do you feel about that scene, bro? And how important do you think Ruby will be in next episode? No, this is this is what I mean. This is what I mean. I set up that question terribly wrong. But I thought she was. I thought she was the one that called. Christina to get the cops to show up at the observatory. Do you think that? Nah, you don't I don't think, think that? so. Because, mm. um, what you call it, Hippolyta shot the cop. So, I mean, I feel like it was, I don't know. I feel like that was just a good follow-up of they shot the cop. It only makes sense for more cops to show up if somebody hears gunshots. No, so I'm that's saying. What I just thought. No, because she got, because Hippolyta ended up getting to the observatory. And you know, like a couple of looks like she was there. She was messing around with it. She was going through all of her uh, mathematics to get it to work. And then a couple of cops came. So I'm, a couple, I'm assuming a couple of hours went by. But we already seen the scene about Letty and Ruby was watching her talk on the phone about the coordinates. So I'm like, did Ruby call Christina? And did Christina call Lancaster to get his people to go out there? Because you nah. know Lancaster and Christina have a relationship. It's not a good one, but they have a relationship. Nah, I don't think so. Because... Letty never did 
actually say what the coordinates were. She probably read the coordinates off the tick. But, That's what I'm saying. But we, we, didn't, we didn't see that, though. We didn't see mm-hmm. that part. All we know is that Ruby seen her talking to Tick and looking at the orrery. So mm-hmm. unless, like, in, unless in the next episode they show, like, a scene that, that was cut out of the last episode mm-hmm. of where she actually did hear her say something, I don't think Ruby played a part in the police showing up. Because Hippolyta snuck into the observatory anyway. That's why the police were looking because, like, they were doing their – I feel like they were doing their regular – of roundabouts of the premises and they noticed somebody went inside. So I feel like it was just a coincidence in that okay. situation. I feel it. I feel it. But I, I wouldn't be surprised what you're saying might be right because coincidences barely like, happen. Because when I was watching, I was like, did, she, did Ruby call Christina and did Christina because they both want the Ori. Christina wants the Ori and Lancaster wants the Ori, but they don't want it in anybody else's hands. So I'm like, did she call him just to get somebody on it just so they don't mess with it or anything like that? Just so we know it's not touched. Because they still don't have the key. So it still would have been no advantage to anybody, Christina or Lancaster, right. if they found somebody there. So that's why I was like, maybe she called them. But you're probably right, though. You're probably right about that. All right. So Letty, like I said before, Letty gets the time machine to work. She's in Troy, Kansas. <laughs> and then the cops come after like a couple hours, like I just said. And Tick ends up coming to save the day. But, this- but before, before we get into that part, I like how they showed how Hippolyta's mathematician skills really played a part. Because yeah. another thing that I thought about when I saw this, you've seen Hidden Figures, right? Yeah. In Hidden Figures, I instantly thought of, um, what you call it, uh, Taraji P. Henson's character. I, I instantly thought of her character. Um, excuse me for not knowing the actual names of the women, y'all. Like, they're not coming in my head right now. But I feel like that just plays a part in how smart people back then were in general because all she had was scratch paper her mind and the, the numbers that were given That's her true. and she was real deal solving like actual nasa type equations yeah. physics equations and yeah. all that type of shit just with her mind mm-hmm. so i was like wow like that just shows the strength of um the mind of the black woman the mind of people in general back then who knew how to do that stuff like we're so dependent on calculators now and we're so dependent on technology helping us solve math quicker to the point where we don't truly know how to do it if we're just giving a pencil some paper and a problem so the fact that she was really figuring all that out and the equations that came up when she was doing it i was like this is giving me hidden figure vibes i really like that and that's why i said like in the beginning you see that she was making out the equations in this scene and it was also in another scene when she gets on the like i don't know she was like on another planet or something like that where she was messing Mm -hmm. with like a the rectangles, it was like, not rectangles, but it was like trapezoids. She kept tapping on it in the junk and she had them like fly up in the air, the little black things fly up in the air, but she was doing math while doing it. I was like, damn, how is she doing that? She's like just in her mind. So yeah, that shit was definitely wrong. So you, it definitely showed it though. Uh, so Tick ends up saving the day because he ends up jumping on one of the cops because it looked like they were going to be her ass. It looked like the cops were going to be her ass for being in there. But Tick ended up running in. And this is why, this is what I was talking to you before the pod, bro. This is the funniest part because Tick was in St. Louis. How did he get to St. Louis to Kansas in that amount of time? Off a bus. How did he get there? I I didn't get that. I didn't get that. Please explain to me how he got there that fast, bro. I was like, they, 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 it's one of those movie situations where something impossible happened, but you're not thinking about it because it's a movie. I feel like that was what they was doing just then. I was like, there's no way he made it there that fast. But, okay. 
on my second, the first time I watched it, I was cool with it. Second time I watched it, I was like, bruh, she, he literally just got the call, and then we cut to the scene with Hippolyta. It's no way right. that he gets on a bus and gets to St. Louis in that amount of time. The nigga flew right. in like Superman. No bullshit. Literally. He just literally flew in like Superman. Unless he borrows there. somebody's car or something. Even if he borrows yeah. somebody's car, like, I feel like he got there, there way too fast. Like, <laughs> I, I literally fast. looked up the distance. Between Troy, Kansas, and St. Louis, it's a four-hour distance. It really was blowing me, bro. I literally had to do research on this because I was like, how do you get there that fast? I didn't understand it. I did it, bro. But, yeah, so we move on and we get to the, uh, the portal. The portal starts to open because she ends up getting the machine to work. The portal starts to open. Mm-hmm. So you see it opening while they're fighting with the cops. And, one, and Chick threw one of the cops in the portal, and they thought everything was cool. I mean, Hippolyta ended up shooting one of the cops. She, they threw one of them in the portal, and she shot the other one. She shot the other one. Do you think she needed to shoot him? I, really, I didn't feel like she did. Casualty uh, uh, award. Casualty award. Okay. I don't feel like it was needed, but I'm not mad at it either. Because <laughs> he was definitely going to kill them if he had the opportunity to kill them. So Yeah, that's true. Too. Especially if after he seen them throw the other one in there, I was like, yeah, he probably going to kill y'all if y'all don't kill him first. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the way they looked at each other after she killed him, I was like, yo, y'all better get out of there. They're going to skin y'all alive. They're going to hang y'all. They're going to do everything. Y'all, not only did y'all kill a white man, y'all killed a white police officer. Who like, works for Lancaster. Yes. Like, y'all, <laughs> Who works for Lancaster, bro. Oh, my. That's God. a death sentence off real. Literally, bro. Fighting back was a death sentence. <laughs> like, I'm like, yeah, they're looking at each other like, man. <laughs> Obviously, they didn't know, and they probably don't know who Lancaster is at this point. But, oh, my goodness, bro. If they know what they just did, it's, they're going to be in hell. That's why I said yeah. next episode going to be crazy. Uh, Tick and Hippolyta end up getting sucked into the portal. Uh, Lyda ends up going to the future, and she meets Afrobot. I don't know what her name is. I'm going to just call her Afrobot. Afrobot. And she gets, like, shackles. Like, she got shackles on her, uh, on her uh, arms. I didn't think they were shackles. I don't know what they thought they what I thought they were, but I didn't think they were shackles. This was kind of like that's why she couldn't like leave. A, that's why she it, couldn't leave. Like it was like a force field around it because of the shackles she had on. Oh, I thought it was like a tracking device or something like that. Nah, but they might have been yeah. shackles though. Yeah, yeah they, that, they, that they, were, they were. They were. Uh, they were shackles. Another funny part. <laughs> Did you peep how stiff my girl hair was while she was in that portal? Her hair was not moving while she was in that portal, dog. I, I was peeping. I, I was like, her shit's so <laughs> stiff, my nigga. I, I was, was like, not paying attention yeah. to that. It wasn't a bob she had, bro, but it was like some form of a bob, like a little lower than a bob. But she had that shit was mad stiff while she was going through the portal. That I was like, I don't paying know. attention to the styles? <laughs> to literally, the styles? I was literally paying attention to that. Both times I watched it, I was like. That's not like something yeah. I would say. Like, Bro, <laughs> that's not like that shit was, was way say. too stiff. <laughs> I was like, she going through a whole portal and her hair is not moving. I was, I was deep. But I like, I like that Afro bot goddess situation mm. that she was in. Because it's like, are they playing a point of like black people are like the future? Or black women are the goddesses of the future and stuff like that, or rulers of the world. Like, I, I kind of low-key like the fact that they was playing on that point. Oh, because I was going to bring up the point about, did you hear the poem while it was when, it was uh, it was the last, second to last scene, it was when... Yeah, Hippolyta, it was like later in the... It was like, no, I'm saying this, but Hippolyta and Tick, they were like in some type of discovery. This is just after she left, 
like they ended up holding hands and going to some type of different place. Oh, you're talking about like, her and Uncle George. Her and Uncle George, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, black, black, um, black people are myths. Black people are myths, yes. That's what I wanted to get across. So that's why I'm like, that's probably what he was playing on. That's probably what they were playing on of black people being myths. Yeah. Robot of a myth is probably what they're, they're trying to get out of that whole uh, Afrobot. Uh, but I, I love that, though, because she was asking Hippolyta. Hippolyta was basically like, let me out of here, like, get me out. And she was like, you're not in a prison. Who are you and where do you want to be? Mm-hmm. What is your name? And Hippolyta laughing, she like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> let me out. I know who I am. Like, let me out of here. And she kept the Afro robot lady kept asking, her, who are you? What is your name? Where do you want to be right now? And that's when we go into the next scene of Hippolyta saying, I want to be. Like, she just thought of some random shit. She yeah. was like, I want to be in Paris dancing with Josephine Baker. And it automatically took her there. But mm-hmm. before we dive too deep into that, the, what's the name of that theory? Um, the many worlds theory. For those of you who don't know what the many worlds theory is, in layman's terms, it's basically like the quantum realm in Marvel's Avengers. Mm-hmm. what Ant-Man was going through and how they figured out how to beat Thanos. There was no actual existence of time. There were just different worlds and different universes all simultaneously going at the same time. So what you would do in this universe won't affect what's going on in this other universe. And I feel like that's what they were doing. And because she said that to Uncle George later in episode two, the many worlds theory. So I was like, damn, like they really like pulling some quantum leap type stuff. So she's not really going back in time because I thought this episode was going to be time travel. It wasn't time travel. It was literally reality traveling. Mm-hmm. And you, she was in a space where she could say whatever she wanted to do, be whatever she wanted to be, and that's what she was. Mm-hmm. So that, that's how we get to the first scenario of her becoming Josephine, um, not becoming Josephine Baker, but becoming a dancer with Josephine Baker. Yeah. And I really didn't dive too deep into those scenes. I just put Josephine Baker scene, but... You could see that she was like she was starting to let up because after she danced, she was dancing on stage and one of the scenes she didn't know what the hell she was doing. She just looked real stiff when she was on stage. And her and Josephine Baker had a conversation. She was like, You gotta loosen up, you gotta loosen up to be a dancer, sweetie. This isn't America anymore. Type yeah, shit. be free. Do what be- you be artistic, express yourself. And that was an eye opener for Hippolyta. Exactly. She moved forward. She's starting to loosen up. She's smoking weed. She see everything that's going on. Girls kissing girls. So she like, oh, this how this getting. That's how this how they getting down over here in Paris. So everybody mm-hmm. was like a free, free spirit type of environment over there. It wasn't no. It wasn't nobody was tripping. And then we get to the conversation that they started to have between Josephine Baker and uh, Hippolyta. But if you don't know who Josephine Baker was, yeah, I was just gonna say. I feel like you should tell them yeah. who that is. Yeah, she was a American-born French entertainer, and she was the first black woman to star in a major, major motion picture, which mm-hmm. was the 1927 silent film Siren of the Tropics. Right. Yep. So that's who Josephine Baker was. So she was big. She, she's mostly known in Europe and things like that, but she was born in America. I think she was from St. Louis. She was, yeah, she's from St. Louis. She was also um, a, not a French revolutionist, but... Um, Civil War. Yeah, she she was like a civil rights activist. Yeah, when she got over into Europe and France, she them she denounced being American at that yeah. point, and she was a uh she wasn't a French revolutionist, but she was a French um I forgot what it revolt was. type 
person. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the title that they gave her, but once she actually got over into Europe and realized how free she was over there, she denounced um, her American type citizenship. And something I found out from an explain video I was watching is that when Mar- after Martin Luther King died, she was something. She was somebody who played a big role in like civil rights activism after he left. Like she was mm-hmm. looked at for a lot of counseling, a lot of information and things like that about civil rights and how to move forward with it after he had passed. So she played a big role uh, in America and in France, bro. So definitely shout out to Josephine Baker, bro. I love, I love the hits that they be dropping in these shows. Yeah, I really. I be telling people, I'm like, if y'all watch this show. Y'all gonna learn history facts that most people don't know. They don't give exactly. you the history facts that everybody knows. They exactly. drop little dimes and pieces in there of like shit that shit regular shit that you probably just yeah. wouldn't even wanna really look into. They give you and you'd be like, yeah. wow, like we learned about our history so much through everything but school. Like exactly. <laughs> we learned through everything, TV <laughs> shows, like yeah. conversations with grandparents. We learned about our history through so much outside of school where we yeah. actually should be learning to that. And that's why it's so hard to describe this show because it's like, it's, it has race involvement, but it's also sci-fi and mythical, but it's also historical mm-hmm. at the same time. That's why My sister people, asked me what the show was about last night. I was like, I please cannot don't ask explain to you what the show is. I really I was can't. Like, please don't ask me that question. Because <laughs> I really, if I explain it to you, you're going to be like, that shit sounds so lame. And exactly. it, it's not going to do it justice. My exactly. explanation is not going to do it justice. Exactly, bro. I, I, I try to do it. Like I said, I try to say it has something to do with race and all that, but it's just, it doesn't have. Just watch episode one. That's what I tell people now. Just watch episode one and see if you fuck with it. Because episode one was the, was the shit, bro. If you ain't hooked after episode one, then it's not for you, I guess. But the conversation between uh, damn, what's Josephine. Name? Josephine Baker and Hippolyta was basically that I still feel shackled in a way. When I go home, I feel shackled and I feel so free here. And what else did she say, bro? She said, I, I feel small. I feel like I've always been shrunken throughout my life by white society, by my marriage, by myself, because th- this was, I feel like her talk with Josephine Baker was the most powerful part in the whole yeah. episode. Because Hippolyta said, I became the exact type of woman that white folks wanted me to be. Mm-hmm. the exact type of negro woman white folks wanted me to be and, and i was said, like damn and she said it was a smart way it was basically a smart way to lynch me without me noticing the noose just to mm-hmm. go forward with your point bro so it was like they were still lynching me i felt free but i, I was still shackled at the end of the day i wasn't right. free but i really thought i was so you can and i, I thought about that i was like damn like a lot of us do feel like that they found a smart way to lynch me without using the noose systematic racism and oppression to this day they find a way to keep us enslaved just without literally killing us the working system as well the working system like just working a regular job bro you still gonna feel that way uh it still feels like modern day slavery it's like they gonna keep you at this cap you can't you can't get paid more than this you got somebody who works over you but he ain't getting too much money more than you getting but he getting a little bit of raise so it's like it's slavery in every way it's in working like you said systematically and all that bro so she was making good points all around um but that that was the biggest conversation moving forward and then she ends up saying that i'm hippolyta i'm hippolyta and she ends up and before she said that what she said right before that is the reason she got put in the next scenario she got put in because oh i hate me yeah she she said i hate me and she also said sometimes i really just want to kill white folks mm-hmm. and 
during that time, like if you say that nowadays, I feel like I honestly feel like it's not warranted to say that because even though you can really dislike white people nowadays, I don't feel like what we go through now is near what black people were going through back then. Back then, if somebody said, I really do be wanting to kill white folks, it's like, shit, what they doing to us currently yeah. <laughs> yeah, at this time reason. is like, you you warranted to feel that way. So when Hippolyta said that, I was like, damn, like, and this is during the 50s, so she's been alive through, what, 20s, 30s, 40s, up to the 50s at this point. So, yeah, you probably really do be feeling like that. So when mm-hmm. she said that and then said, I am Hippolyta and screams her name, yeah. that transitioned her into the the um warrior the, tribe yeah instead of women warrior tribe the, the homies i think that's what they were called that's what they were called i don't know <laughs> let, let no, I, I didn't i didn't get the name i just know I, i've really heard of these women before that's the crazy part yeah she was with um ah uh, let me find it what was the name of these women yeah she was basically she basically got sent here with like just like he said he wanted to kill white folks and also, it still has something to tie in about her freedom as well. Like, sometimes your freedom isn't just given to you. You have to fight for it. So she was fighting white folks to also get her freedom as well to, or to feel like she was free. She, uh, the next um, scenario she was put into were the, the Daomi. I think that's what they were called. They were a race of um, black women in, uh, da, 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 I think in Benin, if I'm not mistaken who were invaded mm-hmm. by white European colonizers. But yeah. this, this group of women went down as like some of the most feared warriors of all time. Mm-hmm. And they were so feared by the white um, soldiers who would come and like try to invade their land. Like white people later in history would describe them as they were eight foot giants. Like they were vicious creatures, blah, blah, blah. When in reality, they were just badass women warriors who just mm-hmm. happened to be black. Yeah. And you seen when she first got to that scenario, she was fighting with like one of the leaders of the tribe. And like she, one of the head warriors. Yeah, one of the head warriors. And she wasn't getting no progress. Like she basically getting brushed off like she wanted nothing. And she ended up having the same conversation about freedom. Uh, I forgot the leader of the tribe's name, but she ended up having the conversation about, yeah, the white folks, they're going to give you your freedom, but you still cooking their food. You still working their job. Are you still working for the white man and things like that? And she was they're saying. They're giving you their version of freedom. They're giving you their version. So it's like a restricted freedom. And she was like, we don't really know unrestricted freedom. So I can't tell you what that is, but we have to at right. least try to get that. We can't be restricted for all this time. And after that, after that monologue, she said, I feel like Hippolyta started to fight better. And then, yeah, and we moved on. Uh, what else she did? Damn. Isn't that when we move on to the, the actual fight scene? Yeah, after that, they moved. She, she trained better, and she became an actual good fighter at that point. And then they mm-hmm. moved on to where she was the leader of the troop going into the war at that mm-hmm. point. And yeah. when she was the leader, she was telling her troop, um, after like the first brawl that they had with the soldiers, she was mm-hmm. telling her troop for the second battle getting ready to come, like, it is not unladylike to be angry. It is not ungodlike to be cruel, not cruel, but to be fierce, like the way we are. Like, cause you know, the stigma of the angry black woman or the aggressive black woman, I really feel like they were playing on that because Mm -hmm. I low key hate when people say that because black, black women are allowed to be angry. Black women are allowed to be angry. They're allowed to be pissed off. They're allowed to be violent in situations where violence is necessary. They're allowed to, 
you're allowed to do things in necessary situations. So I feel like they highlighted that point of the angry, quote unquote, black woman. So yeah. I'm glad they did that because I, I hate when people say you don't want to be looked as the angry black woman. Well, if you're angry and you're a black woman, you're allowed to be angry. Mm-hmm. That's true. But if they was angry, damn, they damn sure used that anger for good because they beat them white folks' ass. Killed all of them in a second, fella. Uh, they literally killed them. <laughs> <laughs> killed them boys in a second, boy. And, bro, it was, I want to say it was like a thousand, or at least a hundred, at least a hundred uh, white folks. And that, it was that only first like group, That first group was probably like a few hundred. It yeah, but it was like a whole another group looked like it was running, but when she actually got shipped off. And they were still probably going to kill all them. So, like, <laughs> that's crazy, bro. So I would be saying there was eight foot warriors too, just to get my shit off. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I can't say I'm getting beat up by women. Like, nah, I don't want to go yeah. back to my tribe with that. And by the time they ran up, that's when she said, I am Hippolyta, George's wife. And then that's when we go into the next scene of her being in bed with Uncle George. And like, she wakes, he wakes her up and she starts <laughs> telling him the entire situation of what's happened to her currently to where she is now with him. And he he said something to her. He was like, so after everything you've been through, you still felt it in your heart to say you were my wife. He thought and it was although, a good thing. Yeah, although that sounded very sweet, which it was, it made Hippolyta say, damn, like, in the end, I still only said I'm your wife. Like, that's all I said I was. And he looking at her like, is that not good? And <laughs> she's like, I've been running away from the fact that you've been shrinking me too whether it was intentional or unintentional, like the good and the love that you've seen in me, like you still, <clears throat> that still played a part in suppressing me and making me feel smaller. I was already small as hell by the time I met you, but it's like you making me your wife and not letting me be the discoverer that you've seen in me and all of that. And just the housewife, like that's what made her shrink even more. So I was like, damn, how many black women really go through that? Like, you could have been this designer. You could have been this um, engineer. You could have been this mathematician, blah, blah, blah. But you met this man and you had to go along with what his vision was. And you had to shrink yourself into just being a mother, into just being this and not being who you fully want to be. So mm -hmm. I was like, damn, that, this, this whole episode really spoke to black women. And I, I love that about it. That's why it's my favorite episode. Damn, that's true as fuck. Yep, and all I put was don't, comprom uh, don't compromise too much or you'll lose yourself. That was the key thing I took away from that scene because she lost herself throughout the whole relationship. Like she said, she was lost even before she met George or she was mm -hmm. shrunken before she met George, but she was like, I thought you seen the star in me. I thought you knew how big I wanted to be, but you really kept me around the house and things like that. You ain't never take me on no trips. And then she was like, I am Hippolyta, the discoverer. And then mm -hmm. she ended up taking her and George went to like um, some type of what? What, they what were, I don't know. They were in some type of space land or whatever. Yeah, space. But land. she actually became Orithia Blue, Blue the yep. character that D created. I was like, mm -hmm. damn, I like how they did that. Yeah. But it's going to get her ass in trouble, too, next yeah, episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Orithia Blue is going to get her in trouble next episode. Yeah, bro. <laughs> So, um, so they, yeah, they just basically discovering that planet. And then she gets the option from the Afrobot. Afrobot ends up taking off her shackle. She was like, you can do whatever you want at this point. You can stay now here. Now that you know who you are and yeah. what you are. Yeah. She was like, you can be the discoverer or you can, she's like, or you can go back home. It's like, it's your choice at this point. 
And she had to think about it. She was like, I've become so curious since I've been here, this, that, the third. But she was like, I got D at the crib. You know, I got to take care of D yeah. and D needs me and things like that. So she ended up choosing to go back home. But the fact that she said, um, oh, and let, let's go back to the point of the poem that we were hearing. Of, On the back, yeah. Yeah. The poem leading up to that, you're not real. Like, I'm trying to remember who was speaking in that Sound poem. like James Baldwin. It, it did. I got to figure out who was speaking. But he was like basically Baldwin. saying, you're not real. This isn't your reality. If it was, you wouldn't be fighting for equal rights. If it was, you wouldn't be trying to be looked at as a human being by these other people. You're a myth. I'm a myth. That's what black people are. We're myths. We're so outstandingly beyond comprehension that it's like we're made up stories to a certain extent. Like we don't fit into the society that's been forced upon us. So that whole poem like really spoke to me. I was like, damn, like black, we really are myths if you think about it, because all the creations that we've made, the inventions we've made, the trends that people copy from us and everything is like, we are myths. So I was like, damn, that, that's like the hardest shit I've ever heard, honestly. Yeah. And that's why I associate the Afro Biden, everything that I've seen before that, that we've seen, um, even in like the little space land adventure that they was, that they were showing, like it was all like myths that it, if it associated with blackness, it was a myth. So and I she didn't even want to, um, she didn't even want to call home home anymore. She mm -hmm. was like, how can I fit everything I am into that? Like, mm -hmm. I don't even, what I've seen, what I am, what I'm in right now, this is home. Like, this is what I really am. And to go, if it wasn't for D, I honestly would not go back. Mm -hmm. so I, I was like, damn, like she, I don't think she shrunk herself again, but I feel like she knows what she is and how to yeah. teach that to D at this point. And I wonder if she would show D that, like show D the possibility of hopping into porno and like opening her mind to things like that. So that could be something moving forward too. And uh, okay, so now we get to like the last scene of the episode, which was Tick was the first one to come back through the portal. Tick comes through the portal and he has a book of Lovecraft Country, but it was by George Freeman. Mm -hmm. so I'm going to assume that he went to the future and it was a book by George or... Yeah, I was where did he go? I'm really that's mad they didn't show where Tick went. Like, they gonna show a flashback next episode. We got to. They gotta show us something. They can't yeah. show us just hopping out with a book. Like, come on, you gotta give us some type of information. Yeah, bro. So I, I wrote that same question now. What what did Tick do in the portal? And what does the Lovecraft Country book mean? Like, what is it supposed to mean moving forward? Like, does he know everything that's about to happen now? Or is it a story about something in a different world? Or how is how is that gonna play moving forward? Um, Tix takes the keys from the machine because he hears the sirens in the background. It looked like some cops was coming. I guess they yeah. heard somebody got shot. He takes the keys from the machine and he he gone. He uh leaves the conservatory, but he left D's comic of Arethia Blue inside of the conservatory by the dead cop, and it said Diane Freeman on it. So they're gonna associate the killing of the cop With to Diane, Diane Freeman. Yeah. So, so that's what they're gonna play on next episode, basically, bro. So, yeah. How did you feel about this episode? You said you loved it, but what was your uh, biggest takeaway? My biggest takeaway was mainly for, for Black people in general, but <clears throat> especially for Black women, don't be afraid to be you. Don't be afraid to chase after everything you want to do and be everything that you want to be. 
and just know that you you are you before you're anybody's wife before you're anybody's employee this that and a third you are like like Hippolyta said I am the mathematician I am the discoverer I am the warrior I am the goddess I am this that you are all of those things so I feel like that was my biggest takeaway from the whole episode yeah that was the biggest it had to be the biggest takeaway from everybody with the self-discovery portion bro I didn't know they were gonna dive that deep into her self-discovery but I like the way they did it though. I definitely mm-hmm. like the way they did it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is your predictions for next episode after seeing the previews, bro? We died, we talked about it a little bit, but what is your predictions? Uh my predict my main predictions for next episode are gonna be we're gonna see the outcome of the Emmett Till situation. Uh what else? What else? Um D I feel like there's going to be a situation where Tick has to save D from Officer Lancaster. And everybody going to find out Letty pregnant by the end of episode eight. I feel like she's going to start showing. Like you, She already showed it a little bit with the – she said that she had allergies. That's why she couldn't eat garlic or some things like that. After she known for loving garlic. <laughs> so. Exactly. So it was like, ah, uh, we started to get to tell. Because then her sister said she was like, uh, or maybe you got pregnant by Mitch to fix it or some shit she had said. Yeah, because she was like, is that garlic? And Ruby was like, you love garlic. What you talking about? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah. So I'm going to rock out with that. But definitely, I want to see how they're going to incorporate uh, the it. Like I said, it looked like it. What type of demon is going to be in this? Like that's, That was the most impressive thing about that, that whole preview, was the demon that was wrapping his hand around the doorway. I was mm-hmm. like, what is that? And then I seen um, somebody was walking down the street, and they had did the little leprechaun shit. You know what you do with the leprechaun. Yeah, it was them, it was them two kids that looked like dead bodies or whatever. They did the yeah. kill clip. Yeah. So I want to know how they're incorporated too, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like it's going to be real horror. Like this whole shit was mm-hmm. horror, but this is going to be like the horrific shit. <laughs> this is really going to be horrific. They look like they were trying to chase down D. So it looked like D was like on her bike a lot of the time, like running trying to get yeah. away from And also, I want to know if they're going to implicate D or Hippolyta with th- this murder. Like I feel it- like they're going to um, incorporate D with it because Hippolyta ain't nowhere to be found. So we she ain't come she back come yet. Home, though. We oh, assuming she ain't yet. Yeah, she ain't come back yet. We we assuming she gonna come home, but we don't know when. Mm-hmm. Damn, that's true. Damn. So we ain't got it. no choice but to associate D with it right now. That's crazy. But hey, Woody, Woody still outside though. Ooh, Woody is still outside. Woody still outside. They don't give a damn about that. Like, they, <laughs> they got a name and they got an actual person to go with the name. They don't give a damn about the story or none of that. <laughs> your comic is drenched in the blood, your name on it, and we found you. I don't give a damn if you could drive or not. Like, none of that matter at this point. We got That's the what name. I'm saying. Like, it should <laughs> It, it should. Yeah. Logically, that shouldn't add up. But back then, <laughs> they didn't give a damn. They got the name and the person. And it's Dr. Lancaster, bro. Not Dr. Lancaster, but Mr. Lancaster, bro. He a captain of the cops. He can basically do whatever he want. You just kill one of his people, and you was messing with the observatory? Oh, yeah. We need answers. We need answers if you him. So, yeah. So, he going to play a huge role in this uh, next episode, bro. And I think that's it for the pod, bro. Anything else you want to uh, say? Uh, it wasn't really else. Nothing else I took away from it. Oh, rankings. Ruby going Ruby to take the potion again. So I'm interested to see who she going to turn into mm-hmm. and how that's going to play. Well, I feel like we know who she going to turn into. But um, 
I wonder how that's going to play out with her taking the potion again. And uh, rankings. Oh, yeah, rankings. Episode seven, in, in order for me, is seven. Hmm. Seven, five, three, one, two, four. I oh, s- oh, I forgot six. Damn. Six last for me. Yeah, yeah, six last. Six, yeah. I got episode seven, one, five, three, two, four, six. So this is my best one. This finally topped the episode one. Episode one was hard to top. <laughs> I ain't think anybody was going to take it. But like you said, I like the point you made with that. Every episode is going to get better. Because I'm pretty sure what I see with the previews, episode eight is going to be my favorite by next week. I'm calling right. it. Right. So, yeah, but that was a good point. But you can hit them with the social media. That is a wrap. You can follow us on Twitter at QE Podcast One. You can follow us on Instagram at Q underscore and underscore E underscore podcast. You can follow and like our Facebook page, Q and Sign E Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Q and E Podcast. Click the notification bell and hit all so you can see anytime that we drop new episodes. Our email, Q A N D E Podcast at gmail.com for any business inquiries, questions, concerns, fan mail. We'll make sure to get back to you as soon as possible on there. You can follow Quincy on Twitter at Q underscore Hicks three. You can follow me at Edgar Martin 97 and you can follow Quincy on Instagram at Q Hicks production. And you can follow me at Edgar Martin official shout out to blue collar media group and MTMV sports. Yes. You can subscribe to us on all of our podcast platforms. We're on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, uh, Spotify, and also iHeartRadio. So wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there, but those are our main platforms. And Subscribe to me on damn, YouTube. Just got to 40 subscribers. Let's tap it up. 40 subscribers. Yeah. And subscribe to us on YouTube. We're six subscribers away from 100, bro. So let's get to 100, bro, by the, uh, by the end of the week. Like, let's get to this, uh, 100 by the end of the week. And happy birthday to my boy. Today he turned 22. We're hey. not just going to end the pod without saying that. <laughs> hey, appreciate that, bro. Appreciate yes, that. We got sir. another happy- pod going on, too, bro. Definitely going to make, make that a big deal. So two happy- birthday pods today. Yeah, two, two birthdays. Yes, sir. So, uh... What else we got coming up? Oh, in in just about two two and a half weeks, it'll be a year since we started. So yes, I'll yeah, keep I'll keep listening. October. I think I think the nineteenth October nineteenth. Whoa, it might have been October twenties. It's something like that. October twenty fourth. Keep keep a lookout, y'all, because we we're gonna have a big um annual episode coming up for we're gonna for do a year. we're gonna do a giveaway too i've been thinking about it. we're gonna do some type of uh giveaway for the for, uh the year anniversary bro yeah big deal bro we're wow, we're coming up on a year bro that's yeah, crazy bro. we we started off real dry and now we we, yeah. we got it we we yeah. got it to the point we we're gonna be nationwide known by the end of the year you you seen the tweet i made we're gonna be known nationwide by the end of this year y'all will see q e podcasts across a lot of platforms by the end of this year Y'all keep rocking with us, bro. Y'all keep rocking with us. And I don't know. We might do. You started watching Ratchet? Uh, no, I can actually start today because I'm off today. So I watch Ratchet. The ending. I love the ending. <laughs> I don't want to spoil nothing for you because I don't want your reaction all over the place. But we might be having a, a Ratchet, a Ratchet review, the whole season okay. review, bro. So cool. we might be doing that as well. Cause, uh, since this is coming to an end, we might get that to y'all soon. So definitely be on the lookout for that. We appreciate y'all for listening. Definitely stick with us. Coming up on one year. Yes, sir. And we out. Peace. All right.